Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Take your Bibles with me, please, tonight to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 20, Acts chapter number 20, and as you're turning, let me say this, I know that I've mentioned today about today being a special day for me and my family, Um, but Brother James, that was also a very special song for me, and uh, I've mentioned to you, church, about my parents, how I was raised, and uh, not necessarily in the godliest of homes. Uh, My parents both, at the end of their lives, made a testimony of faith, made a testimony, had a a profession of faith rather, and had a testimony of trust in Christ, but for much of their life I never saw any fruit uh, from from their lives. They knew the Lord, they were living for the Lord. And uh, the one memory, the first, one of the first times I became acquainted with that song, I remember I was 16 years old. Uh, my dad had just been, a month or so prior, had been diagnosed with stage four brain cancer. His body had already began to shut down. And I remember my dad, well, this, is, this is the only real fruit that I think I'd ever seen out of my dad's life life of a possibility that he really genuinely knew the Lord. And we were sitting there, we were, I, turned, I, had, a, I had a Bill Gaither uh, homecoming DVD, and uh, Michael English got on and on there, and he was singing that song. And, uh, and uh, brother, he sings it, he sings it in, a, in a different way than most people can sing that song. And, uh, but Michael English was singing that song, and uh, the first time in my life, my dad was sitting in a recliner in our living room, and he leaned back in the recliner, and he closed his eyes, and tears were rolling down his face as he listened to that song. And the one time and one time only I ever saw my dad raise his hand to a worship song was in our living room to that song. And you say, Preacher, do you know if your dad's in heaven? I don't know. But I will say this, I like the way, I like my chances with that. Amen? Yeah. And uh, you say, does that mean he's going, that, does that mean he's headed to heaven? No. Uh, but I do feel better about it after having seen that than I would have before. Amen? Yeah. And uh, when, you have, when you have folks in your family that you don't know whether they they knew the Lord, and you don't know how you don't know much about where they are when they leave this world because of the way they live their life. Uh, really, you will take just about anything that could be a sign that they knew the Lord. And for me, that's what I hang to in my life. Amen. Go back to that little moment, and every time I hear that song, I think about my dad. Had a, my dad was a very big man uh, for most of his life, and, and not necessarily in height, but was a big man, and uh, he had wasted away to nothing to see that little skinny hand. Once used to be a big hand. To me, it was the biggest hand in the world for most of my life. That little skinny hand lifted his hand up to Jesus, and he was worshiping. And I believe it was genuine. Amen. And I praise the Lord that we are headed to a place one of these days, if we know the Lord, we're going to bow before him. We're going to worship him. And, uh, you know, you can nitpick any song that anybody's ever written. And uh, I'm not going to say that I don't know if our loved ones will lead us around heaven or not. If God lets them, then they can. I'll be glad to, to go on the tour. Amen. And I'll let somebody who's been there longer than me show me around. And Amen. I'll be glad to go on the tour. Uh, but I don't know how much I'd be interested in the tour uh, because just like the song said, I want to see Jesus. Amen. And uh, maybe we'll go on that tour after the first million years is through. Amen. After we've spent some time with the Lord. But then again, I also don't know about that because once we get in His presence, how would we ever leave? Amen. How would we ever say, okay, now I need to go see streets of gold and need to go see mansions. When you're with the Lord, how would you ever leave his presence? Amen. 
And, uh, but I do thank God that we are headed to a place. Uh, I, when I listen to that song, one of the things I just think about is that it is going to be wonderful when we get over there. I don't know all the details. I can't even show you in the Word of God all of the things that we'll do when we get there. But I just think when we get there, we'll be glad that we're there. Amen. And I praise the Lord for one of these days. I'm going to get to physically bow before my Savior that has saved me by His grace. And if you're saved, you'll get to too. Amen. Let's stand together. Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20. And we'll begin in verse number 17. Five years ago tonight, on Sunday night and the first time we ever met, I, we came to Acts chapter number 20. And verse number 17, I told you I'd preach the messages I preached that day today. And uh, I will say this, it is not going to be the same. You say, preacher, why is it not going to be the same? Well, no two sermons are ever the same. I've preached, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've preached the message that I've preached this morning. I know dozens of times. And this morning was different than it was the last time and different than it was 10 times ago. Amen. Yeah. And, uh, that, and so they're never the same. But I will say this, the perspective from which I am preaching this tonight must also be different because the last time you heard me preach this morning's message and the last time you heard me preach tonight's message, I was not your pastor. Dr. Caldwell was. And so I preached this to a church without being your pastor and I've preached this message to other churches that are going through very similar things to what our church was experiencing five years ago and so it may land a little bit different tonight but I do thank God for this passage and and the emphasis that it places. Let's read beginning in verse number 17. The Bible says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. This is Paul that's being spoken of here. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Notice verse 24, Paul said, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all, notice this verse, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you not sparing the flock also of your own sake shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now brethren I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all that, uh, excuse me, all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel, yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. For I, I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and 
and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Notice verse 36 through 38 now. And when he had spoken thus, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake. Notice this, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. You may be seated. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Gentlemen, in the back, if you'll help me have a little bit more in my monitors, I'd appreciate it. My voice is a little bit weaker than I want it to be tonight, and I'd appreciate the good help there. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. We come into your presence, Lord, as thankfully and humbly, God, as we know how. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we have to come into your house. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege that we've had to worship. Thank you, God, for the good songs that we've heard. Thank you, Lord, for the good fellowship that we've had. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be able to watch these babies and these young folks walk around the church collecting money to be used for your glory. Lord God, thank you, Lord, for the testimonies and, uh, Lord God, just everything that has been said by your people tonight. Thank you, Lord, for saving souls through our missionaries. God, just everything that's been said and done tonight, we give you the glory for it. Father, I know, that, Lord, that we uh, have come in on a rainy Sunday night, and Lord, after a very, uh, Lord, busy day, no doubt already, uh, God, in a day that the, no doubt the forces of hell fight against those that want to come to church and want to hear from heaven, I pray, dear God, for the next few moments that your will would be done in our midst. Father, I pray, God, as I often do prior to preaching, that you'd forgive me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your spirit, use me, God, for your glory. Help me, God, to only say the things that you'd have to be said and not say anything, God, that you wouldn't have to be said. I pray, dear God, that you would fill me with the Holy Ghost and use me, dear God, to say, uh, Lord, your words, Lord, to preach with power, uh, Lord God, to preach with the demonstration of the Holy Ghost of God. I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ in a spiritual sense, Lord, to whereas I preach it will not be about me. Lord God, it will not be about what I can come up with or even what I have to say. But God, I pray to your Lord that as we bring the message this evening that it would be what you would be saying to your people. Lead my mind that I may say those things that would be pleasing in your sight. And Lord, that would be beneficial to this congregation tonight. Lord, I pray to your God that you'd help me to apply this truth, Lord. Uh, God, as you would have for this evening. And I pray, dear God, in the name of Jesus, that the church would, uh, Lord, would respond accordingly, that each and every one of us here would respond, including myself, uh, God, to what you would have. Lord, lest I preach to others myself, become a castaway. Lord, have your will in your way. Please, Lord, do the work that only you can do. Take this time and use it as only you can. Lord, it's a convicting thought that you placed upon us tonight. And I pray, dear God, that you'd use it. Lord, several in the church have heard this message. I pray you'd use it in their heart and their life afresh and anew. And Lord, for all that are hearing it for the very first time, I pray that you'd use it in their heart. Lord, as only you can. Father, we sure do love you. And God, we thank you, Lord, for loving us. Lord, we're still thankful for what we talked about this morning, about your passion for us. And Lord God, your perspective of what, Lord, our true spiritual condition was and your purpose to save us. God, we're still thankful that you came. And Lord, we pray, dear God, that you had to bless during this time this evening. And Father, we will give you all the glory, all the praise for that which is done, for the lives that are changed, for the souls that will be saved. And Lord God, we just pray you'd use it for all of your purposes tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. When we come to this passage of Scripture this evening, the Apostle Paul has been doing a great deal of traveling. When we come to this passage tonight, we realize that in chapter number 19, before we come to our chapter for this evening, he has left the chaotic city of Ephesus. He has preached to the Ephesian, uh, to the Ephesians that the silversmiths that they had created, uh, the silversmiths that had created idols to be their gods. He has preached to them that uh, these uh, silversmiths 
silversmiths were creating idols that were no gods in reality. And so he told them without apology uh, that these idols that they were worshiping were no more than statues. And because of his preaching, many had abandoned idol worship. And uh, now they are gunning for the apostle Paul, if you will. He has called the silver, caused the silversmith uh, to lose much wealth because of his preaching. Because of that, they seek to uh, they seek to run him out of town. They're seeking to persecute him. And the Bible tells us that the apostle Paul travels uh, from Ephesus. He travels from there uh, to Macedonia, then to Philippi, then to Troas. And now, when we come to chapter number twenty, our text reveals that he is on his way to Jerusalem. Before he gets to Jerusalem, the Bible tells us in the verse that we began tonight in verse number 17 that the Apostle Paul makes a pit stop by this area called Miletus. He, when he gets to Miletus, uh, he is making this pit stop uh, to talk to those uh, that have been leaders in the church at Ephesus. Uh, Paul was greatly used to the Lord uh, to see that work started and he is eventually going to be greatly used to the Lord uh, to see it turned over to its next pastor, Timothy, and Timothy will pastor there to great success uh, before he leaves this world and enters into his heavenly reward. However, when we come to uh, look at verse number 17, Paul has called these that are the best of the best of the church at Ephesus. They are the pastors of the church. They are the leaders of the churches there uh, in the city of Ephesus. And so the Bible says that he called uh, the elders of the church, those leaders of the church, those uh, men that would be taking the reins of, uh, of, of pastors and leadership roles, amen, uh, in, in, in the churches of uh, the, uh, the Ephesians, amen. The Bible here uh, tells us that Paul uh, speaks to them, and it is his words that I would like for us to look at for a few moments this evening. Paul has called these men uh, to Miletus, and he speaks to them on a very personal level. He speaks to them, and he shares with them something that no doubt was probably very hard for them to hear. As we read, we highlighted it for uh, just emphasis sake. As Paul uh, mentioned that he was meeting them here, he rehearses his ministry before them, and he lays the bombshell on them that while we have served together and loved together and worked together, you will see my face no more. Here we find these Ephesian elders having that laid upon them, and no doubt it would have been hard for these men who loved the Apostle Paul as they did, and they uh, they honored him as they did, and revered him as they did. It would have been hard for them to hear that their physical relationship with Paul would now be forever over. He tells them that the Lord has led him away. He tells him in verse 25 and 38 that the Lord has led him away, and that he knows that he will never see them again. He knew that God had not permitted him to travel to Ephesus again. And although these men were the elders or the leadership of the flock of God in Ephesus, it was Paul that essentially in their life was their man of God. It was Paul that was their pastor. It was Paul that was their spiritual mentor and leader. It was Paul who had preached to them. It was Paul who had prayed for them. It was Paul who had poured himself into their lives and into their ministries. It was Paul who had protected them from the doctrines of devils. Amen. And he had pointed them to the scriptures of God and the God of the scriptures. Now Paul, now excuse me, God is taking their preacher away from them forever. Now I know that may not mean much to the average backslid Christian in the day and hour which we live in. But in this passage of Scripture, we find a group of people that are broken because God has moved their preacher. They are broken because God has taken their preacher away. The last time I preached this to this congregation, 
God had led this church's pastor after 29 faithful years and having started this church's ministry to step aside to retire from full-time pastoral work and go back to a place that he had not been in quite some time. And that was being just a regular church member again. I'm not talking about a man that walked away because he was engrossed in sin. I, and we see this with Paul. Paul is not ending his ministry. It was God that took him away from the Ephesians. Now, I will say this. I'm thankful God hasn't taken this church's founding pastor away from us. I'm thankful that we have a founding pastor that has enough, uh, has, has able to have enough humility, enough, uh, enough submission in his heart and in his life, and li very little pride to where he could sit here on the same, uh, the same, in the same building and with much of the same people that he pastored faithfully for so many years and go from being the pastor of this church to being a member of this church and it not cause any problems. I'll say this, and that's not the case most places. I'll be honest with you, and I know it could be a very youthful thing, but I'll be honest with you, and this is me confessing my faults, I do not know if I could handle that as well as he has. It's hard for me to go to somebody else's church and when the spirit starts moving in a service not want to take over. <laughs> It'd be hard for me to sit in the place that I've led and God has given me vision for and let somebody else take the reins and go forward with it. What God did for our church and did so well, it causes you and I to be able to understand where these Ephesians are. For those of you that uh, maybe, as most of our congregation is at this point, many of you were here that day that I preached this uh, last time, and you remember what it was like for the man of God to stand up and say, God's done with me and the pastorate here. I'm stepping aside, and we're going to go forward with what God has for our church. You remember that day, and there, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm not arrogant enough to, to, to say that uh, I think that everyone here that was there those days, even five years later, should have been able to come fully to grasp with the fact that God took your pastor away. Even five years later, I believe Thomas Caldwell to be a man very, and I preached this to you five years ago, I believe as we walked through these passages there was much of what we see in Paul's life that this church had come to know and had come to expect and come to understand that that was what you could expect from your man of God. It's, it's difficult to let go of someone so precious as a spiritual leader, spiritual mentor, and to be able to embrace such radical change as we see here in this passage. I will say this, though, that I do pray, and I, I'm not arrogant enough to think that every single one of you is always my greatest fan. I still realize that here in just a couple of months, I'll only be 30 years old on my birthday. I understand I'm still young, much younger than most of the people that I pastor. I have not been here 20 years, 29 years as Dr. Caldwell was. And so therefore I understand that I hope in five years you've come to understand that your, your, your current pastor loves you and, and has a heart for you. And I, I, I hope I've been this kind of man and I want to be this kind of man. And I continue to want to grow to be to where if God ever led me somewhere else or takes me out of this world by way of death, that the way these men received their man of God and felt for their man of God leaving that Beacon Baptist Church would have the same heart and love when we leave. Now I say this just in case somebody I mentioned this this morning to some on the way out the door. 
just because I'm preaching this message tonight, I promise you this, when we're done, I'm not reading a resignation. <laughs> Amen. It may sound like I'm getting ready to say something like that, but I'm not. So, I don't know whether some of y'all are getting ready to cry or some of y'all are getting ready to shout, but either way, I'm denying you of both. <laughs> Amen. You know, I know I, I've heard it said before that, and I believe Brother Caldwell's mentioned this in passing as well. I've heard other preachers say it, that uh, every, time, every time they enter a church, they make people happy, either when they come or when they go, but they're making everybody happy. Amen. And uh, I hope that's not the desire of this church for me and my family tonight. But I will say this, one of my greatest, one of my greatest desires, and, and, and we don't, by the way, let me say this, we don't worship men. I'm going to mention a lot about pastoring tonight and preachers tonight. We don't worship men, we worship Christ. But I will say this, we worship God, but I will say this, I believe that the men of God in our life ought to be very important. I believe when God gives a church a pastor, He is giving a church something that should be greatly treasured. He is give, The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, Paul said that the, that the office of a pastor was a gift to the church. You may not feel like it, but five years ago, uh, this coming Sunday night, five years ago, this coming Sunday night, was when you voted me in as your pastor. And on that night, whether you like to think it or not, God gave you a gift. In us coming here. And I'm not trying, I'm not, I promise you, I'm not bragging. I hope you can see my heart. I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm not trying to boast myself in any way. I'm just simply saying what we see here in this passage is something that I desire for Beacon Baptist Church. You know, when I was, when I pastored in Maryland and I wasn't there very long, uh, some of this that I'm going to be preaching tonight, I was able to see a little bit. Oftentimes, I was only there for a short amount of time, and I look at, I look at how, when, when we were there, how God was blessing the church, and God does seem to be blessing the church after we've left in many ways, but at the same time, I, was, I saw when we left, family, some families were broken. I remember little brother, brother, he's much older now, he's not little anymore, brother Caleb Batson that came here and I had him preach as a teenage young preacher here that I pastored there in Maryland. I've seen him several times. Every time I look that boy in the eyes, I still in my heart feel like I should be his pastor. I've, taught, I've tried to get them to come here and they won't do it. They've worshiped with us several times. They've attended meetings here. I've tried to get them to come here and he won't do it. But I remember Brother Caleb, one of my young preachers there in Maryland, when I announced that I was leaving, he broke down. And at the end of the service, when people were saying goodbye to us, I held that young preacher as he was weeping and then put puddles on my shoulder, shaking. Because he had just gotten to the place where he felt like he had, God had taken away their pastor, moved to another ministry. And they just got a man of God again. And now that was taken. I'll deal with some more of that in just a minute. Tonight I'm preaching on this thought when God takes away your preacher. These Ephesian elders learned what it was when God took away their man of God. And you and I in the past as a church, we understand what that is like. But can I say this this evening? There are churches that I've known since I've preached this message that are dealing with that very thing. And it does. While we don't worship men... And while we don't bow ourselves before men, who you sit under is very important. Who your man of God is, is very important. Who preaches to you and your children and pours into your family and prays for your family and tries to, tries to beat the wolves off of your family and tries to protect you from doctrines of devils. It is very important. It was important for these Ephesians. I would submit to you that the reason why these individuals were able to be leaders 
leaders in their church and in their ministries. It's because they had a faithful man of God like the Apostle Paul that did what he said he would do in this text. All of us that are here this evening as believers, yes, we follow God and we love the Lord, but every one of us would have to admit that when God works in the church, when God works in ministries, when God works in the world, God uses mankind to do His work. My pastor used to say this, God does not base his ministries on a man, but God will base his ministries around a man. Yes, God uses his men to do his work. Every one of us that are here this evening sitting here saved by the grace of God. Most of you heard the gospel because there was a man of God that preached to you in a church somewhere and you are saved because not because of that man because of Christ, because of the gospel, but you heard the gospel because somebody gave you the gospel. Every one of us spiritually are a compilation of the sermons that we have heard and the men of God that we have sat under in our Christian life. Y'all hear me often, not only in the pulpit, but in private conversation say, my, I just said it just a minute ago, my pastor used to say, Brother Michael, recently, I know he tries trying to get out of the habit of it. But he used to, now he says, Brother Montgomery, but he's trying to get out of the habit of saying my pastor, talking about Brother Montgomery and messages that he heard while he was there. Do you know why it's so easy to say that? It's because he sat under his preaching for right. three years. Right. Michael Caldwell and Ashley Caldwell are where they are because Josh Montgomery preached to them for three years. God used Brother, Brother Thomas Caldwell to pour into your life from the earliest of ages. And then when, we, when I came here, God used a message to to see you get right with God and God has used me a little bit in y'all's life and then you moved to uh, Safe Harbor and for three years that man of God got up and preached to you and poured into you and in college Melvin Aiken poured into you and those great men poured into you and down through the years we are a compilation spiritually of the men that have poured into us and the ministries that's poured into us and the messages that have been poured into us. Every one of us could say, I remember when I heard this message by this person, and hopefully if you've been church any length of time, you can point back to messages that have changed your life. I can. I can take you to church services. I can take you to messages where after I heard God's man preach, I was never the same after that. Here, the one that did the pouring is gone. Let me ask you this. If you had no longer had a pastor at Beacon Baptist Church, would it bother you? Many, many people can go years without a pastor, years without a spiritual leader, years without... By the way, it's not just important to listen to messages. There is something very important about having a man of God, having a pastor, and hearing the same voice mm-hmm. pour into your life. Amen. You may not think so or not, and I understand. I'm looking at you, and I will readily admit I am not the greatest preacher in the world. Many people can preach better than I can. I'm telling you, as Dr. Adrian Rogers said, no one can preach a better gospel than I can. Nobody can preach a better Bible than I can. But there are men that can do it better than me. But the most important, and this, and this, I'm, I'm not, I don't mean this the way that it sounds, but it's the truth of God and I stand behind it. The most important man, man, man-made voice in your life is mine. That's right. That's right. Before 2018, Beacon Baptist Church, the most important voice in your life was that of my faithful predecessor in this pulpit. Do you know why a pastor is so important? Yes, the messages that we hear from other preachers, they are great, and we need those. But when it comes to your pastor and your man of God that knows you by name and knows what you're going through and has prayed for you that week, all of the greater preachers in the world, they are fantastic. But what you need in your life is a faithful voice. Amen. Amen. 
that when you're going through something in your life, you'll hear yes, Dr. Caldwell's voice from years ago for those of you that were here. For those of you that come along, since I've been here, you'll hear my voice. If you want to, if I've preached again sin, I've done my best to lay the hammer down and preach on sin. I'm telling you, when you live in sins that I've preached against, I want God to recall my voice. And I want my voice to haunt you when you're thinking about living, living in sin. Yes, sir. Good preaching. That's why God gave us the gift of a pastor. That's why he does it. For these people, their man of God is gone, and they are broken. Yes, they are to continue. Yes, they had instructions for going forward. Paul didn't say, be down in the dumps and have a funeral because I'm leaving. He didn't say, quit on God because it's all on me. But what he did say is, I've done my best to equip you for the days that I wouldn't be here. Beacon Baptist Church... I am not, I will readily admit, I, and I thank God for all of the things that God has done since I've been here as your pastor, but I will readily admit that it would not be possible had a man of God not prepared this church for a day beyond himself. I realize he doesn't preach much in our church anymore, and I'd love for him to be able to preach more. When you're 87, you can take a seat a lot more than you'd like to, too. Amen. I'd, I would love to hear him every Sunday morning. I'd love it. But as he sits back there in that seat, every time God lets him be here, you then I want you to know this pastor knows while he's sitting back there and while he's listening to me and while he's being kind to me and while, while he's shouting me on and encouraging me, I have never one time stepped in this pulpit without the realization that if it was not for a Thomas Caldwell, there would not be a Josh Lawson. If it was not for God using that man, there's no way God could have used this one. And I'm telling you this evening, the ones that pour into our lives are treasures to us. Notice what the Bible says. I've been preaching, man, I've been preaching a long time already. I hadn't even gotten, I hadn't even gotten to what I wanted to say. <laughs> you said, preacher, why, why are you preaching these things? Because in these last few years, I have watched many transitions. Last five years that I've been here, some of the closest churches in my life have been transitioned. My home church, God took away their preacher, put Brother Austin Wagner in his place. It's hard for me to imagine my pastor in Louisiana. God took him away from that church and moved him somewhere else like God is doing for Paul here. I watched Parkwood Baptist Church, outside of my pastor, the closest man of God to me in my life. I watched God take that man home. And I watched his church struggle because the one that had poured into them for 26 faithful years, you talking about somebody that ran the wolves off, you talking about somebody that ran the demons off, I'm telling you, Brother Wardlaw did it in ways that I can't even put you into words. Brother Wardlaw was so, was so faithful in preaching and hard against preaching in sin. The reason why devils didn't arise in Parkwood during the days that he was there is because they were afraid of him. Right. Amen. Am I lying? They were scared to death of him. They said, he's crazier than we are. We ain't going to mess with Parkwood. One of the men that I loved and, and preached for down through the years many times, Brother Henry Coley, pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church in my hometown of Calpins. Somebody go cut that phone off. I thought I had it on silent. Amen. That's okay. Brother Henry Coley, his church is still without a pastor. They watched their pastor go through three bouts of cancer, beat two of them, and shrivel away and die. Got to the place where he was so weak and feeble he couldn't even stand and preach in front of them. 
I've watched years ago. I saw where Trinity Baptist Church in Spartanburg watched the great Dr. Dennis Carter literally get so weak from cancer that it spread all over his body that wearing a suit coat was too heavy for him. And he had to wear thin little button-up sweaters just to stand up and preach. And I watched that man of God who used to be bigger than me shriveled down to about 80 pounds, but still would lift his hand and preach the Word of God. Churches crumble when the leadership is gone. Churches break, Christians break when the leadership is gone. What are we going to do? What are you going to do when God takes away your preacher? Let me give you a couple things. I know I've been preaching long enough already. Number one, when God takes away your preacher, reconsider the removal of the preacher. Notice verse 25 of our text. The Bible says, But now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God (coughs) shall see my face no more. Verse 38 He says, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. God moved Paul out of Ephesus. The Ephesian elders probably, when God did that, saw nothing but bad news. One of the greatest churches ever birthed is going through a pastoral change right now. Tabernacle Baptist Church in Greenville. It is important to know what to do when God takes away your preacher. There's so many people that quit. There's so many people that give up. There's so many people uh, that uh, that will go another direction. I had a dear friend of mine. We held, they, he sat under a pastor that got involved uh, in, a, in an immoral relationship with a woman in his church. God had called him to preach, and he was trying to faithfully uh, preach, but he had... I would say too much emphasis on the man of God in his life. And when that man fell, he's never been the same. Never preached again. Never hasn't been faithful to church again. Comes every now and again. Has a family now. Doesn't hardly bring them. You want to talk about, you, you preachers, you listen to me for just a minute, especially you that, are the, you that are younger, I guess I'd say younger in the ministry than I am. Y'all listen to me for just a moment. You do not understand the, the weight that what we do carries. You can build a life or you can destroy a life by whether you're faithful or not. I hate to say that many Christians do follow preachers more than they follow God. I do believe that we are to look to our spiritual leaders. I do believe that there is much about, amen, I've I've, I've heard it said before, amen, preachers in the past used to say, if you can't develop your own convictions, that's fine. You can borrow mine until you get some. I think that's a good idea. I believe that's a good way of following leadership in your life. But I'm telling you, I've watched too many churches struggle, and I'm thanking God for the ones that God has seen through. I have no doubt in my mind that even though Brother Logan has left Tabernacle, I have no doubt in my mind that God's going to see him through. God saw Parkwood through. God saw resurrection through. I'm waiting to see what God's going to do at Calvary. Amen. Preached that revival just a little while ago, just trying to encourage them to keep going. I have no doubt that God is going to do that. I don't want my ministry to be one where people fall apart. I want my ministry here to be one of building God's people to prepare them. For if I leave this world tomorrow, I hope in five years I've preached enough to you to where you will not quit just because I'm gone. I say die because as of right now, I've told you, I'm not planning to leave. I'm not planning to resign. Don't get it in your mind. I'm happy where I am. I love this church. I love what I'm doing. Probably wouldn't find anybody to put up with me as well as y'all do anyway. Amen. I say say that. I say that tongue in cheek. But I I honestly can say this. I, I can preach the way God puts it in my mind and my conscience to preach in this church. You don't get that anywhere. 
I can stand in this pulpit and say, I believe God's leading us to do this, and I don't have to fight the church for six months for it to happen. That's right. Why would you give that up? I'm not in a God would have to do what he did to Paul in constraining him to leave. But if I were to die tomorrow, I want you to be, I want, I want something that I've said to be able to get you through. Here the Bible says, they, here it talks about this removal. They probably thought it was nothing but bad news. They probably said, how can this, this, uh, how can this be? They probably wondered why God would do such a thing. They probably saw no light at the end of the tunnel. However, when you look at what this Bible says, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Why? Because the fact that God moved Paul, number one, it tells us about the conversion of the preacher. If he was not saved, he could not hear from from God. The Bible here says plainly it was God that was doing the leading. It was God that was doing the removal. It talks about the conversion of the preacher. Can I say this? We have something here at Beacon. Amen. We've always had something here at Beacon. And these in Ephesus had something in their existence that a lot of churches in our world don't have. And it's sad to say, but you know what that is? A converted preacher. Brother Lewis knows what's that like, what that's like to go to church and listen to so-called listen to a so-called pastor priest who's never been converted. So many churches, they have somebody that looks good on paper, but they've never, they, man, they have, may have their name on the roll of a Bible college with some degree that they have, but they've never been on heaven's roll. Right. Amen. Paul hears hearing from God. How could he hear from God? It's because he's been saved. Amen. The conversion of the preacher, then the call of the preacher. If he's hearing from God and God's moving him somewhere else, that means that God is moving him to a work. And can I say, God has never called the preacher into a ministry. If God is, excuse me, if God has never called the preacher into the ministry, he would never leave and lead him to another ministry. I'm not talking about a man that chooses to do something else. I'm talking about God leading. If God's leading and an evidence that's God, that God's leading, that's not only a converted man, that's a called man. God only calls men into the ministry. God puts men into his churches to be their pastor. If God had never called a man to preach, he will not put them in the position of pastor. I know that's not popular today, but that's the reality. I do not believe a man should pastor that's never been called of God to preach. Amen. Amen. I don't believe that a missionary should go to the field as a church planner if they've never been called of God to preach. I pastored a young man in Maryland that he said that he believed that he was called to preach. I asked him, I said, why do you believe you're called to preach? And he said, well, I believe God wants me to go to the mission field. I said, well, that doesn't necessarily mean you've been called to preach. He said, well, if I'm going to be a missionary, I guess I'd start church, uh, start a church. And if God's calling me to go to the mission field, and I'm most likely, if you go to the mission field, you're going to start a church. And if I'm going to start a church, then I guess that means God's wanting me to preach. I said, brother, you've got this thing backwards. That doesn't mean God's called you to preach at all. You may just have a good feeling about wanting uh, to serve somewhere, and that's fine. God may want you to go, amen, about called the name of the country, amen. Uh, God may want you to go there and uh, help somebody else and be a helper, but that doesn't necessarily mean God's called you to preach. I'm telling you tonight, you're looking at somebody, I can tell you that God, without reservations, called me to preach. My faithful predecessor in this pulpit, time and time again, without hesitation, knew that God had called him to preach. And church, if I drop dead tonight, you better make sure that the next man in this pulpit is one that God has called to preach. Amen. Amen. The call of God upon the man. Amen. God calls his men. These Ephesians could rejoice that their preacher was a man that was called. He was not mama's called and papa's sin, but it was God that had called him. Amen. God is the one that is called, does the calling, and he can move men as he sees fit. He does the calling. He can place those that he's called to wherever he wants them to be. Church, we may pick up here on Wednesday night. Let me say this. Go with me to Matthew chapter number 10. Matthew chapter number 10. I'm still talking about God, the call of the preacher. The Bible here is telling us some things that we can, when God moves a man, if God's doing the calling... Instead of being broken and throwing in the towel, some things that will help you keep going, 
It's when you reconsider the removal. Why can God remove that man if God has done that? Why can God move someone? It's because he's been saved. That's a good thing. Because he's been called, and that's a good thing. To have a God-called man. If you're going to hear from heaven in your church, you need a God-called man. By the way, you don't want somebody that has chosen this as a vocation. I've heard it said before, so many people have said through the years that the last thing I would have ever chosen for my life was to be a preacher. My wife has never shared this part of her testimony, but when she was a little girl, there were several things that she used to say she would never want in a husband. She didn't want anybody that was going to work in emergency services, didn't want a fireman, a police officer, she didn't want anybody with a badge to where when they walked out the door, she'd have to wonder whether they were going to come home. She said, number two, she did not want anybody that worked in the funeral industry <laughs> because dead bodies grossed her out. <laughs> and she said, last but not least, I do not want anyone that is a preacher because I've seen, it's sad that a little girl said this. Y'all are laughing, but it's just sad. There's a reason behind it. She'd watched so many, so many preachers that her pastor had loved and linked arms with and had counted his dear friends, turn their back on him and backstab him. She said, I'm not interested in the ministry. I don't want to be backstabbed. I don't want anything that I've seen happen to Stan and Teresa Wardlaw. I'm okay. I don't want that. Now, God does have a sense of humor. The, my wife has been interested in two men her entire life. You have met both of them. Both of them have preached in this church. She's been interested in two men. Both of us are preachers. God has a sense of humor. And the one she married not only was a preacher, but worked in the funeral industry. <laughs> She's the one that encouraged me to take the job. <laughs> Brother Dean, you know why she'd do that? Because it made more money. <laughs> <laughs> that was why. <laughs> I could stock shelves and make a little bit of money, or I could make more money and I could be, amen. Anyway, <laughs> all of that. <clears throat> but she said, I didn't want, I don't want, I don't want to be a preacher's wife. And now, if you were to ask her before she lived, before you leave tonight, she says she would tell you, I don't want to be anything else. I don't want to be anything else. I could not imagine. I'm talking about all of the pains when the things that come to pass when a man of God leaves. And you say, you say again, you say, preacher, why is this so important? Yes, God does move people. But I will say this, there's a very real devil out there too that has turned a bullseye on his men. I want our church to realize that when it comes to this office, when it comes to what takes place, not just from myself, but from others behind this pulpit, it's more important than you think. It's more, it is more vital to your life than you think. You will, I, not only will I stand before God with every sermon I've ever preached, but look at me, church. You will stand before God for every ser with every sermon that I have preached to you and what you've, dealt, what you've done with it, and everyone you could have heard if you would have been faithful. That's right. When we show up to church, I'm, I'm headed to Matthew 10 in just a minute. <laughs> When we show up to church, when was the last time when you thought about missing church? And I'm not talking about being sick. I'm talking about just allowing yourself to sit on your laurels and be okay with just missing for a night. When was the last time you asked yourself, how would I feel if tonight was the night, the very last time I'd get to hear my pastor preach? Would it put a kick in your step? Would it put a, a, a jump in your step yes, to say, I might just go tonight? Yes, 
We are a compilation of everything that we hear. Everything is poured in us. I'm talking about the removal. Yes, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. When you think about God's call on a man that he moves, and that's wonderful, and that'll help get us through. Have you ever thought about why God would move a man? I have been in the ministry long enough to know this. While I would like to think that when God puts a man... When I started out in the ministry... And I went to my first church, Brother Tommy, my plan, you can ask my wife, was to die there. After six months, they were ready for me to go. I was ready to die there. I have come to the place to realize that many times in our lives, as ministers and as Christians, as men of God like, like I try, like I want to be, I would love to be able to say, this is where I'm going to stay. But none of us knows what God's going to do. My heart is to stay. I don't have any, I don't have any reason to go just like I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure many preachers down through the, hey, my, my pastor said he, he had no intentions of leaving. And then God moved him. We don't control that. I would love to say that I'm going to stay somewhere forever. I'd love to say my pastor was going to stay at Resurrection and close by me forever. I'd love to say that Brother Olson will be there at Resurrection forever. But none of us know God does move men. I know preachers that they, get, they, they are hateful to other preachers because they've been at other churches and they've had other ministries, they've pastored other places. But I'm telling you, this passage says God moves men. Now let me say this, why would God move a man? Here in the text we see that God moves, moves men because of ministerial purposes. The Bible says there in verse 22, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit. It wasn't Paul's choice. He said, I go bound in the Spirit on Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, saying that the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. He's saying that God is moving me to Jerusalem. God has another ministerial appointment, even if it is bonds, even if it is persecution, God has another ministerial appointment for me. Why does God move a man? Sometimes he does it for ministry. Now look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter number 10. Look with me in that passage there. I should have marked it in my Bible. Matthew chapter number 10. Look with me at verse number 16. The Bible says in verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the, uh, sheep in the midst of wolves. There, uh, be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But uh, beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in the synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that hour uh, what ye shall speak, for it is not ye that speak by the spirit of your father which speaketh in you um, the speaketh in you and the brother shall deal or deliver the brother to death and the father the child and the children shall rise up against the parents and shall uh, and, and shall cause them to be put to death and ye shall be hated of all men for my sakes but he that endureth to the end shall be saved and I understand the context that we're in but let me make an application here out of the next verse they've been ministering they've been faithful even in the midst of persecution and the Bible said in verse 23, this is the instruction of the Lord. And when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. In other words, when the ministry is over and the people make it so, you move on and go somewhere else. Now go with me to Matthew chapter number 13. Matthew chapter number 13. In verse number 53. Matthew chapter 13. I added this tonight. I felt like it needed to be said. I can't preach it the way I preached it five years ago. So I have to, amen, I have to do something different. I believe this is important though. God is going to move men at times. God will do it to fulfill the full purpose of his ministry. Here's what I want us to see. God doesn't just move men because of ministry, but God will move men because of mercy. Look at Matthew chapter 13 
in verse 53. The Bible said, And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was come, notice this, into his own country. He taught them in their synagogue. So what is Jesus doing there? He's teaching the Word of God in the house of worship. Do you see that? Insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? He has taught them the Scriptures, and they are pleased with what they've heard. Notice verse 55. The Bible said, Is, this, is not this the carpenter's son. Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters are they not all with us? By the way, church, for those Catholics that tell you that Mary was perpetually a virgin, there's you a proof text in the Bible that Mary did not stay a virgin beyond Jesus. Amen. He had brothers. He had sisters. The Bible clearly says that, that they were there. The Bible says at the end of verse 53, Whence then hath this man all these things? Look at verse 57. And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. Look at verse 58. And he, speaking about Jesus, did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. God had led Jesus to go back home. God had led Jesus to go back into his own country to minister to his own people. He had stood in their temple. He had preached to them a Bible message. He had preached to them a message that was easy to be received. But in the next statement, you know what they did? They had become so familiar with him that he was despised in their eyes. They, were, they did not listen to his message. And the Bible said that the ministry that Jesus wanted to do there, not that he would not do, the Bible says here that he, that the Bible said, and he did not many works there because of their unbelief. They made it impossible for the Son of God to do ministry in their midst. Can I say this this evening? I believe that God sometimes will move a man, not just for another ministerial purpose, but God, and this is, this is a heart behind why I'm preaching this the way that I am. Again, I, I was, it was easy last time. I wasn't the pastor. I could preach it right at Brother Caldwell, but no, amen, right in his direction and pin roses on him. What a great pastor he is. I can't do that now. I'm not planning on going anywhere, and I'm not Dr. Caldwell, and I'm not nearly as great as he is. Amen. <laughs> Here's my heart with this, though. It's for those that sit in our church pews, and I would preach this anywhere. I have preached this numbers of occasions in many places. God does not just move a man to fulfill the next step of his ministry. God sometimes will move a man out of mercy because that church will no longer receive his ministry in them. You know, the worst thing that you can do, if, if, you, if you want me and my family to have another five years here, if you want us to have another 10 years here, another 50 years here, you know, the worst thing you can do and the number one thing you can do to assure that that will not happen, become so familiar that with, with the preaching that you get, become so familiar and, 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 and just used to what you get when you come to your church, that every preacher is better than your pastor, and every message is more powerful than he is, and every message is just, uh, when the preacher preaches, it's just nothing, and all of these other uh, pre rock star preachers that you hear somewhere else, after they've had a chance to preach that message 50 times, and get all the T's crossed and, I, and I's dotted, and say, that's just the greatest message I've ever heard, amen, it, the, the, it, men have a hard time dealing with that, but the Bible says much more than just a man not feeling appreciated and say, oh, well, I'm not appreciated, so I'm going to leave. If we become too familiar with what God is doing in our midst, then God may take that man that's faithfully trying to give something to people that are not responding the way God wants and out of mercy move him somewhere else 
where they may just listen. Yes, sir. Can I say this tonight? I would hate for Beacon Baptist Church to be a place to where God can't do any more mighty works here. That's right. God has done mighty works on these grounds. Yes, sir. God's done mighty works today yes, in our midst. Amen. I'd hate to be a part of the problem. That you know, so many people are critical of God moving this preacher here and God moving this preacher here. And it be, now, if it's not God, that's one thing. But there's times where God moves a man simply at, from one church to another just simply because the church in their heart and in their attitude acted like they no longer wanted him there. That's right. I don't want that for our church. Like I said, there's greater preachers than me. I could sit and listen to some, some amazing guys, and I encourage you to listen to other preachers. Amen. I don't claim, as my pastor said, to have all of God's cheese on my cracker. Amen. <laughs> I don't. But at the, min the minute that my voice becomes dull to you because, and I've, he I've heard this said in churches before, well, that's just preacher. And the message from the pulpit no longer has an effect. Right. That'll be the day. God will give you what you want and will be merciful to something to a man and send him somewhere else. God has done that scores and scores of time. I'm not convinced that that's not what God did with us in Maryland. I believe the reason I'm here is because God had mercy on my family. I was prepared to die there. And I pre I'm talking about I preached my guts out to those people. And when I'd preach, they would just sit there. Their hands would be folded. I heard all the time, we just, we just don't get it. We don't understand. They were too caught up in the past with what they thought they wanted to where they couldn't handle what God was doing in front of them. And God, I've always said this, God gave us liberty Amen. to leave. Amen. I believe he knew he had beacon in mind for us. Amen. Thank God. But I don't want to be part of a church where the man of God leaves and God moves him out of mercy. Let's be a church to where... We love preaching. We love preachers. We love God's Word. We love what God wants. I'll preach more about the characteristics here maybe Wednesday night. But I'm telling you, I, I, as your pastor, I'm preaching from my heart. I don't know where this landed to you tonight. What I'm preaching from my heart is this. I want to be that pastor. I want to be that man. I want to have those characteristics and that kind of an impact that Paul had. But while I'm trying my best to be what I need to be, don't turn me off. Don't turn Brother Lewis off. Amen. Brother Caldwell preaches, don't turn him off. These men that God, I, 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 love, I love Brother Stroud that's coming in. I love Brother Aldridge that's coming in. Two of the greatest preachers alive. But those are not the men that God gave you. That's right. That's right. That's right. God gave this church Thomas Caldwell. God gave this church Lewis Stankwich. God gave this church Josh Lawson. God gave this church Kyle Demick. God gave this church Seth Demick. God gave this church Michael Caldwell. Don't turn it off. Those are the voices God gave you. Amen. If you refuse to listen, chances are we could lose yes, yeah. what God's given us now. Yes. And it'd be God that orchestrates it. Don't take lightly the, 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 the treasures that God gives us. Brother Tommy, your dad, thank God he's still here. One of the men that poured into your life, though, God just took a little while ago, Dr. David Wood. We're a compilation of everything we've ever heard. Think about the places you've been. Think about the men that's poured into your life. And if nothing else, thank God for a human voice that spoke heaven's word to you for you to be where you are today. And let's thank God that we're able to be where we are because we've responded thus far to what God has given us. 
But let's not be relaxed with that. Let's continue to be faithful, to recognize the God-given voices in our life, to not take it too lightly, lest God take away from us what we have. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm done preaching this message tonight. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.